0: Welcome to PhotoActive, a podcast about photography in the Apple ecosystem. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. This episode is brought to you by Masters of Photography, online masterclasses with the greatest photographers in the world. We'll have a special offer for you on Masters of Photography courses later in the show. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening to us. It's time for another episode. But first, do us a favor. Go to iTunes and leave us a review. We'd like good reviews, but even if they're not, that's good enough. Leave us a rating if you don't have the time to write a review. Just click on that little star to the right, the one that leaves a five-star rating. If you use Overcast to listen to podcasts, and a lot of people do, tap the little star button because that will tell the Overcast algorithm that we're a great podcast and they might recommend us to others. I hope you do that for every episode, Jeff.
1: I do. Absolutely.
0: This week, I want to talk about something that I've always found extremely interesting and that a lot of people don't really pay much attention to. It's aspect ratios. What do you think about when you hear aspect ratios?
1: Um, Hang on a second. Aspect ratio is like, I need to print something, and am I going to do this in 8x10, 5x7? That's the first thing that pops to my mind. And then the second thing is, wait a minute, this is not 1984. We're in the digital age. We can do something better,
0: right? Well, aspect ratios do affect printing, but if you go back to the film days, they affect the size of the film. 35 millimeter film, for example, is a 3-2 aspect ratio. When you talk about aspect ratios, you say the width first and then the height. So a 35 millimeter negative would be 3-2 in landscape mode, but it would be 2-3 in portrait mode. So that aspect ratio is one of the most important elements of composition for your photos. And I think a lot of people don't pay attention to it. I think I've said before, for me, a photograph is a combination of light and shape and color delimited by the four corners of the frame that that the photographer has chosen. Now, you may just look through your camera and use whatever aspect ratio it gives you, and you may compose according to that aspect ratio. Or you may take a photo and crop it to a different aspect ratio, but you can't just crop it anywhere. You can't just take any photo and crop it from a 3-2 to, say, a square format because you might be cutting off part of your subject. Not every picture is going to work in every aspect ratio.
1: I'm glad you brought up cropping because usually um, when I think of, of aspect ratios, I think of cropping because I think of you're taking one aspect ratio and adjusting it when you're editing it to something else, like say for for Instagram or something. And you mentioning the 35 millimeter cameras uh, made me realize that oh, there are many different aspect ratios for different kinds of cameras. I think we 're mostly focused on thirty five millimeter because that 's most of the cameras, but you know you have lots of others like medium format cameras and 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 those right well, just to mention one, you have the
0: iPhone, which is probably the most popular camera in the world it 's a four three aspect ratio
1: oh, wait a minute, this is getting more interesting
0: indeed so let 's talk about the history of aspect ratios as i said thirty five millimeter film is a three two aspect ratio. The square aspect ratio is really interesting. And this started, I believe, it was 1929 when Roly came out with their first camera. These are the cameras where you look down and it's got two lenses. One lens points forward and the light comes in, off goes off a mirror, bounces up on frosted glass and you see it upside down. I remember playing with one of those cameras back in the day and they're really fun. The second lens below it is what takes the picture. So it's not like a single lens reflex. It's actually a dual lens reflex, I think is what they called it. And they used a square format, and other cameras adopted that. The Hasselblad, for example. The Polaroid SX-70, very popular camera in the 1970s, used a square format as well.
1: The square format is, is extremely popular and has a long history. Now, is that due to technical limitations, or was that more of an artistic choice? Um,
0: I'm not exactly sure. I think it was just because it was easier, given the way that the camera worked, The square shot was probably simpler than what had been used before. Because remember before, you had what are called view cameras, the kind where you'd look in the camera and put this piece of cloth over your head, and you'd have this plate that you'd put in. And they would often be 8 by 10 But once it got to a more compact camera, they had to develop a way develop. See see what I did there? They had to develop a way to be able to make pictures in a format that would work through the camera. I don't know enough about the history of of these cameras to to be sure, but it's true that the the square format is comfortable. It's, you know, it's the same on all four sides, and, and you don't have to think too much about it when you use it. Interestingly, a lot of black and white photographers use the square format. And this could be in part because they're using Hasselblad film cameras or newer Hasselblad cameras or the history of these older cameras and the history of black and white photography. But there's something about black and white that, for me, balances well in a square format. Instagram, for many years, required that people post pictures in square format. They would cut off the edges if your photo wasn't square. And I think it was in 2015 that they removed that limitation which is a good thing because cropping a photo, as I said, this is one of the most important elements of composition. And if you have to crop a photo to square when you composed it in a rectangle, that just skews everything.
1: And it's especially worse when something else is doing the cropping for you. With Instagram, that was one of the limitations that I didn't like because oftentimes Instagram would crop it for you. Or if you wanted to have something that was a wide aspect ratio on Instagram, you'd have to use a different tool to like build borders around it. And then that that sort of minimized what you're seeing. So even though you could see the entire image that you want on Instagram, it becomes so small that it didn't work as well.
0: So other aspect ratios that are common, we mentioned the 4.3 of the iPhone, a lot of smartphones do that. Some point-and-shoot cameras. And the whole Micro Four Thirds system, Olympus and Panasonic cameras, they're all in the 4-3 aspect ratio. Have you ever used any of those Micro Four Thirds
1: cameras? I have not. I, I sort of passed right by that. Um, I, I went from a, a DSLR to a, the Fuji mirrorless. And so it's not something that, that I am familiar with. And that also includes the iPhone, of course. And I have to admit that... I didn't pay too much attention to the full aspect ratio because, you know, you're you're shooting with what you have in front of you and you're composing with the device in front of you. And therefore, I wasn't really thinking too much about 4.3 versus 3.2 until I would bring it into Lightroom or Photos and then... See the difference there because the contrast would be right next to each other.
0: And what you said there is really interesting about that you're shooting with what you have. If you're, if you set your camera to an aspect ratio that's different from what the native aspect ratio is, then you can shoot according to that aspect ratio. Let's say with a micro four thirds camera, you can set it to shoot in three two because you might want to be shooting a series of photos in three two. And that way you're composing according to that frame that you're seeing through the viewfinder or on the back screen. Whereas, if you're composing for the 4 3 and then you have to crop to 3 2, it's a totally different process. And you may find that your compositions don't necessarily work once you've done that.
1: Do you find yourself switching aspect ratios in camera very often? That was a feature that I never really used because I wanted to make sure that I was getting the full image and then I could crop later.
0: How about I get to that in a, in a couple more minutes, because I, I do have a fundamentalist approach to aspect ratios that I'm going to discuss. Perfect. And then I'll come back to that question. Just to mention some other aspect ratios, some medium and large format cameras shoot in a five-four aspect ratio, or eight ten, eight 8 by 10. What's interesting is that I've been looking... And I'm not going to buy one. I've been looking at the Fujifilm GFX, which is their medium format camera. I've been looking at some photos online, and what you see is that most of the photos are in the native 5.4 format. Now, 5.4 is an interesting format because it's not quite square and it's not as as crushed as the 3-2, but you have to compose for that format. So for instance, it, it can work really well for landscapes, very well for portraits, but there are some types of photos where it doesn't work. And When someone has a medium format camera, are they going to crop a lot of the photos to 3.2, hence losing a third to a half of the pixels that they have? Granted, it's a 51 megapixel camera, so they're not losing everything. But still, when you have that camera, you're shooting according to that aspect ratio. Some medium format cameras shoot in 7.6. There are a couple of other odd formats. And everyone knows about 16.9, which is what video has standardized at. I don't find 16.9 particularly good for photos, but I do see more and more photos in 16.9. One thing I'd like to mention is pragmatics. Now, our producer, Doug Adams, who is listening to this, he's going to perk up his ears because like me, Doug studied linguistics and pragmatics is a subfield of linguistics and semiotics. And this is quoting from a Wikipedia article that studies the way in which context contributes to meaning. And this is how I am an aspect ratio fundamentalist. For me, most pictures should be in 3-2, or they should be in square. Odd aspect ratios, and this I did years ago when I was first getting back into photography. I would crop things according to the subject. So if something was going to be in an eight seventeen aspect ratio because it fit the subject, I would do that, but I don't do that anymore. And what this has to do with pragmatics is the fact that there is a certain amount of contextual information that we see when we see the frame of a picture that we're familiar with the aspect ratio. The three to aspect ratio is very familiar. It's one of the most familiar. The four three is becoming extremely familiar. Square is comfortable because it's even and balanced. But anything else, and people look at that and they're gonna think there's something wrong here. There's something not normal. You know, imagine you go to a photo expo and there's 25 photos on a wall and they're all in the same aspect ratio. That gives you a certain continuity through the photos. But if they're all in different aspect
1: ratios, then it looks confusing. Does this make any sense? It does, yes. It's something that I have to admit, like, I haven't really thought deeply about, and I'm really glad that you have, because I think I tend to be more of the mind of, let me sort of experience it as it is in front of me, and if you know if somebody has framed something as eight by ten, which is sort of funny because now we're we're reversing the numbers, ten by eight, five by four. If someone has has framed it that way, I just sort of ac- accept that and don't think about should this be three two instead. But what you're saying is there's some sort of subconscious bias that where something is more comfortable than others? To me, it's
0: the familiarity of an aspect ratio that makes it comfortable. Now, you may want to take certain pictures so people aren't comfortable. You may want odd aspect ratios for that reason. But imagine you're shooting a wedding. All your pictures have to be in the same aspect ratio. You're not going to make a book of wedding photos with different aspect ratios. In fact, anytime you make a book, if the photos are laid out evenly, let's say you go on vacation, you want to make a photo book from it, you have to use the same aspect ratios or at least On-facing pages use the same aspect ratios. Okay, let's take a brief break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my obsession with aspect ratios. Masters of Photography is a unique online learning platform that brings together some of the world's most acclaimed photographers, the Masters. You can enjoy an unprecedented insight into the way these photographers work during intimate lessons that capture their knowledge, ethos, and philosophy. I've taken the Masters of Photography course with Joel Meyerowitz, one of my favorite photographers, and I was impressed by his passion for photography and his desire to transmit his knowledge to others. With more than five hours of video and 34 lessons, Joel Myrowitz discusses technique, inspiration, and his career, and gives some practical tips about shooting in the street, taking portraits, and even still-life photography. I strongly recommend this course with Joel Myrowitz. and Masters of Photography has a special offer for PhotoActive listeners. Get 5% off any course with the code PHOTOACTIVE. Go to mastersof.photography and enter the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE or use the link in our show notes. That's mastersof.photography. I really enjoyed this course, and I think you will too. So, that familiarity of aspect ratios led me, in the past, using my micro four-thirds cameras to switch the aspect ratio in camera to 3.2, of course, this meant that I was losing pixels, but it allowed me to compose according to what was familiar to me. I think it's a tough call because if you are using that type of camera, such as an iPhone, you don't want to lose pixels. And so you're stuck with the composition. And I, I think a lot of people, most people don't care about this too much, but I, I really do think it is the most important element of composition. It's where, you're, it's where your subject is, where you're your background is in relation to the frame that's really important. Maybe that's why I don't like shooting with the iPhone that much. I mean, for me, the iPhone is more the
1: camera I have when I don't have a camera. I think this brings up an interesting question, because when you are shooting with an iPhone, okay, let's say something very popular, are you looking at the image preview, and are you thinking about that in a three-two? Aspect ratio, like like you're composing and you're thinking, OK, I'm going to have to crop off a little uh, off the top and bottom to make this more acceptable to what I usually like. And so are you composing to crop or when you're shooting it with it with an iPhone, are you just taking it for what it is and and just assuming that, OK, these shots are going to be four three rather than I'm going to make them 3.2 later?
0: Well, I don't really consider my iPhone photos to be the same as the photos I shoot with real cameras. And, and I've said this in the past, real camera being the mirrorless cameras I have or a DSLR or a Leica or a Hasselblad or whatever. And yes, an iPhone can be a real camera. If I did shoot nothing but iPhone, then I would probably lock myself into the 4.3 format because it's harder to imagine your composition without being able to change the frame. Now, one thing you can do in the iPhone is you can change the frame to square when you're shooting. And that I find really interesting. This, of course, is due to the popularity of Instagram, that some people want to shoot in square for Instagram, and it actually helps them by giving them the context of the actual space that they're going to be able to put on Instagram instead of having to crop later.
1: Plus, it gives you just the convenience of being able to post things directly from the phone without having to do any post-processing at all. Exactly. Exactly. Now, one
0: thing to note about aspect ratios, I shoot very few photos in portrait because they just look too weird. Go into your photos library or print photos or however you look at them and take a 3-2 photo in landscape and take another one in portrait. And the one in portrait looks too skinny. And this is an optical illusion. It really is the same relationship two three three two, but it looks too thin. So if I'm shooting three two in landscape, I would be more likely to want to shoot say four five in portrait
1: mode to have something that's not as skinny. This is something that you mentioned either on a previous podcast or in our, our discussions, and I have to say I now use this all the time because I I often shoot uh, in portrait orientation, and. Once you mentioned it, and I looked at my images, you're right; they do seem too skinny, and so quite often, I will uh, switch the aspect ratio when I'm cropping to five four, which just it feels like it gives it more breathing room and it doesn't feel constrained, even though you're right it it shouldn't,
0: but it does it shouldn't, but it does it's an illusion. It's one of those things, you know, it's like the two lines with the arrows pointing in different directions. The one looks longer than the other, you know, that optical illusion. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: It's like that. And and so the 5-4 thing is interesting because as I've been looking at some of these photos shot with either a Hasselblad or the, the Fujifilm GFX, the portrait photos look really nice and they're really good for landscapes, that sort of four or five aspect ratio, because a landscape often is way too skinny when it's 2-3 or even 3-4. But the four or five is nice. Now, this got me to think, if I had a camera like that, I would have to change my conception of photography or shoot everything in portrait mode.
1: Hmm, interesting. Actually, I'm gonna push back a little bit on feeling that landscape photography can feel too narrow when it's when it's in in three, two, because sometimes that's exactly what you want. You want that that wide scope. Sometimes, you know, perhaps like the sky isn't very interesting, and so you don't need a third of your image be a blank sky and also if you have something like a panorama of course you want you want something wider but that brings me to another question for you we've been talking about these fixed aspect ratios what about when you are in photos and you just need to crop something out of the frame do you ever just say i'm not going to use a fixed aspect ratio at all i'm just going to crop this based on how i think the subject should appear. Absolutely not. Never. I can't do that.
0: I simply can't. It has to be either 3-2 or square. There are some very rare exceptions. I'm going to put some photos into the show notes. I've got a couple of square photos of flowers. Now, square is a perfect format for flowers because flowers are round, and I've got some macro photos that are square. But I've got another one that's in 3-2, a photo I shot one day where I was trying out some lighting. It's a peony in a glass vase, and I'm shooting it from the side, so the square format would compress it too much, so I leave the three two now, If you look at this photo, I could have cropped about ten percent on either side and made it let's say a five four but that just doesn't look right to me. Maybe this is a bit of my o c d but there's something about the the regularity of this format that's so familiar. I rarely use sixteen nine which has become an extremely common format. But I am putting a photo in the show notes I took at Stonehenge last year, which is in 16.9. Now, you can't get too close to the stones in Stonehenge. And you have the problem with a landscape photo where you've got a lot of sky, a lot of grass, and the thing in the middle. So putting that in a 3.2 leaves too much space. You can't really appreciate. This is this is a, a horizontal thing, and you can't really appreciate it. So that I cropped into 16.9. But that's the rare. It's one of the few photos in sixteen nine in my library. Now I'm sure some people listening are thinking, you know, inflexible, crazy, etc. But there is this element of the continuity of the three two format throughout the history of photography. Either the three two or the square, there is this continuity. If you use multiple aspect ratios, it can be confusing. Whether it's in a photo album on. On the internet whether it's a photo book whether it's an exhibit or even instagram it can be confusing because it's just unsettling i felt this way strongly and particularly the past couple of years when i realized that my micro four-thirds
1: cameras were the wrong shape now see th- this brings up a couple of things one this really points to something we've talked about before which is having a photographic vision Actually, that sounds too, too pretentious. Basically, once you start shooting photos, like you develop an eye for photography. And this is an excellent example of your eye sees these aspect ratios, and when they're off, like something's wrong. You may not even know that that is the thing that's wrong, but your photographic eye is, is picking that out. Yeah,
0: And my photographic eye is composing like that when I'm looking at the world and planning to take a picture. I'm mm-hmm, thinking mm-hmm. in three, two, or I'm thinking in square, depending. And and I often use square either for photos in macro, which seems to be a given, I think. The, these things just work well in square. But often for black and white photos, I'll often use square because the, the comfort of that equal-sided square seems to work well with the black and white that doesn't have the contrast and the color and, and the weighting and the imbalance that you can get with a photo in color. There is something about black and white that works better like that. Of course, this can also be the history of black and white photography, that a lot of people have used square photos for black and white.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that brings me to my second point, which is I'm going to nudge against your OCD just a little bit because me coming from a background that is more editing than, than say, the the history of photography that we've established, I reached a point A few years ago when I realized, like, I don't have to stick to these constraints. And because most of the photos that I'm uh, sharing are going to be viewed digitally, it doesn't need to be in those strict aspect ratios. And so I am more likely to crop something that, that doesn't fit an aspect ratio because I see the composition better or, you know, sometimes, you know, somebody walked into the edge of the frame and... If I were to stick to an aspect ratio, it would crop it too tight or make it too wide or something that disturbs my sense of what I want this photo to say. And so I'm more likely to to just uh, crop to any aspect ratio just to make the image work rather than, than be strict like that. And I think it's also interesting because I think all of the software applications When you're cropping, the default is to crop in a free aspect ratio and not a fixed one. You have to specifically go and say, I want to crop in 5.4.
0: Yes, that's true. They do give you a free crop by default. On the other hand, most apps will give you a number of, of cropping options. Apple Photos, for example, you get original, whatever the original was that you imported, because you might have imported something that had already been cropped by someone else. Free form, which is what you 're talking about square sixteen nine eight ten five seven four three three five, and three two, and then custom where you set your own aspect ratio like eighteen seventy three because you 're doing a project where you need something to be cropped in a very
1: specific aspect ratio, and most apps will let you do this strangely, despite what I just said, I do find it annoying that free is the default because usually. If I'm cropping, I want to stick with the original and then maybe move from there. In many cases, if you start dragging and hold the shift key, it will stick to that aspect ratio. Right. And, and that's important about what I said earlier, that you've composed with a
0: certain aspect ratio that you see in your camera. So if, if the crop isn't going to respect that aspect ratio, you have to have a very good reason for it. And as you've said, sometimes you have good reasons, but sometimes you want to maintain those relationships between the elements in your photo. Exactly. Okay. I just want to mention in the show notes, I'm going to put a, a link to an interesting ebook by Andrew Gibson called Square, where he spends, I don't know, 60 on pages talking about the square aspect ratio and why it's important to use square. He's not a square fundamentalist, but it is an interesting discussion of the square aspect ratio. And how about in the Facebook group, you drop in some photos? Um, let's see. Do you shoot? in something and crop to square? Give us some square photos. Do you crop in non-standard aspect ratios? Show us some photos. Let's see what you do with it.
1: So it's time for our snapshots. What's on your radar this week, Jeff? I'm going to throw a book into the mix. Uh, Speaking of of aspect ratios and portraits made me think of this fantastic book by Gregory Heisler, 50 Portraits, Stories and Techniques from a Photographer's Photographer. This is all people, all portraits, um, nearly all of them in the portrait orientation. It is a fantastic book. For two reasons. One, the images are are great. Eisler, I think, has shot more time covers than in any other photo. Everybody in there is somebody that you know of, like heads of state. It's it's just the the breadth of it. But it's not just a showcase. He talks about the situations around every photo. Some of it talks about like the mechanics of of, of lighting, but a lot of it is just the experience of, for example shooting George W. Bush as he walks between meetings and getting emotions and getting a look that tells a story in one image. It's a great book. Yeah, that's
0: a fascinating idea. And and I don't shoot portraits because I just don't know how to do that. I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with people. I've shot portraits of family and things like that. But i the idea of shooting portraits of strangers It just, it scares me in a way because I don't know what those people expect and I don't know what to do. And I have an immense respect for people who do portraits. It is something I will try to do in the future, but there, there's a lot more than photography going on when you do that.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I, we will definitely have, have some upcoming episodes and, and uh, it would be great to talk to some portrait photographers too, because there's so much to it. And Kirk, what about you this week?
0: I have a new app that I've been using for a few weeks, which has filled a gap in my workflow. It's called SPECT, S-P-E-C-T. It's a very simple app for OS. It is an image browser. You point it to a folder and it displays all the images in the folder. You can have it display a slideshow, but I don't want that. I just want to display all these images pretty much as large as possible. Because if you heard in a previous episode where I talked about my workflow, I import my photos to a folder rather than importing them to the Photos app. And then I look at the pictures to decide what I'm gonna bring into the Photos app. And I was doing that in the Finder before with Quick Look, So I'd select a photo, press the space bar, look at it, et cetera. But But it's, it's not an easy process. You're constantly arrowing up and down and selecting files to delete them. With this app, I import my files, I open the app, it's automatically in my photo import folder. I see everything I've got. I can press the space bar to quick look a photo inside the app, uh, either JPEGs or RAWs. If I don't like the photos, I can press command, delete, and delete them. If I do like them, I right-click and I choose Reveal and Finder, and then I put them into my Photos library. It's really the app that I needed for my photo workflow because I don't want to put everything into my library because of all the issues for storage and bandwidth that I explained in the past. This really streamlines things for me.
1: When that came out... I specifically thought of our episode where you were talking about your workflow. And in fact, uh, a friend of mine is facing the same issue where she has a whole bunch of stuff all over her hard drive and trying to just view it, even in like, like super large icon mode in the finder, just doesn't quite do it. You don't get a good idea of it. And you know, doing quick preview of every single one is, is, is annoying. And it's not very expensive, right? It's just
0: $5. Available from the Mac App Store. There'll be a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. Don't forget that you can get 5% off any course at Masters of Photography with the coupon code photoactive. That's photoactive in one word. Go to mastersof.photography or use the link in our show notes. Until next week, thanks again for listening.